What's up, everybody? Glad to have you back for another episode today. This is your host, William, here at World of Wally. I want to take about 10 seconds before we get started in today's episode, and I want to make a quick announcement. I've uh, been doing this now for a little over a year, about, about 14, 15 months, and uh, finally made it into the top 250 in uh, podcast uh, on the charts, the chartable podcast of uh, here in the U.S., and I'm super excited about that. There's too many people to thank, of course, everybody that takes time out of their busy schedule to even listen to just a few moments of one of these episodes. I do greatly appreciate it. And, of course, the many guests that I've had uh, throughout the run of the show, uh, way too many to thank, but uh, they know who they are, and I deeply, deeply appreciate them coming on and sharing uh, their stories with us. And uh, speaking of stories, now that the summer has officially begun with Memorial Day in the rearview mirror, and now we're into June, the uh, the goal of this show has always been to bring interesting stories to you guys, um, interesting people, intriguing story, I guess, I guess would be the best way. And I see, or I run into a lot of times, stories that I present that end up taking me back to my early years. And today is another one of those. Um, the gentleman that I'm talking to today is Mr. Jeff Dale. He is an author. He comes from north of the border. He's from Canada. And he uh, he's we're going to talk about today about a topic that took me way back to getting ready for school, waiting on the bus to come, catching a couple of short episodes each morning on the television before we ended up going to school. And the show that I'm talking about is a show called The Three Stooges. And let me tell you something. The Three Stooges is the, in today's society would be the most politically incorrect show I, in history. Mm-hmm. A lot of slapstick style comedy. And it was a, a vaudeville-based, um, you know, endeavor. You know, they, they took their vaudeville act and they brought it to television. Um, the three characters that were highlighted in it were Mo and Larry and Curly Howard. Um, of course, that's not their. That was just their stage names that they used for the show. But then there was a fourth one, a guy named Shimp, Shimp Howard. Shimp was always my favorite. He was. He was a. You could tell he was an extremely talented guy. Uh, he was really funny. Uh, his physical comedy was just absolutely amazing. And uh, and he's kind of the forgotten one. Uh, he's the one I would really zone in on the episodes that he was featured in because I really enjoyed, like I said, watching him. Of course, you know, Mo, I guess, would technically be the main character, the the, the driving force, because he uh, he was kind of the guy that the... Uh, he was the, the, the stir, what stirred the tea, I guess it'd be. Uh, Larry was a very complimentary character. All, Curly also was. But then there was Shimp. Shimp was that enigma that uh, I just was in, always intrigued by. And uh, today we're going to get a chance to talk about Shimp Howard, the Forgotten Stooge. So look, if you remember anything about the Three Stooges, if you remember when Three Blind Mice fired up uh, as their theme song when it first started, if you remember those days... We're going to take you back to when you were just a young kid. And if you've never heard about the Three Stooges or have no idea what I'm even talking about, then hang in there because you're going to hear a story about one of the most intriguing characters from possibly your parents' childhood or if you were a really sheltered child, maybe from your childhood, you just never had a chance to... uh, to get a chance to catch an episode or two. Like I said, they were really short episodes. I, I used to catch two or three every morning before I got on the bus. So um, 
like I said, just an amazing story. Uh, I'm glad to see Jeff's highlighting this guy because he deserves to be highlighted from his work. So after the break, guys, I'll be talking to the author, Jeff Dale, who presents Shemp Howard, The Forgotten Stooge. After the break, guys. Hey guys, quick shout out to Timothy O. Davis of Ridgewood Recording Studios. His studio offers a full line of music production ranging from song demos and singles to fully produced albums. He focuses on excellence at every level of the recording and production process and will work with you for your project specific needs. So remember guys, Timothy O. Davis, reach out to him at timothydavis.org front slash Ridgewood Studios. All right, everybody, we're back from the break, and as promised today, my guest, Mr. Jeff Dale. Jeff, how are you doing today? Pretty good. The weather's nice for a change up here. Yeah, uh, Jeff hails to us from the Ontario, Canada area, correct? That's right, in, in a place called Woodstock. And not he, the Woodstock of the film of movie festival. No, not. Music. Sorry. So, uh... So he has a real unhealthy relationship with the Three Stooges, and we're going to talk about that today. He uh, he actually has written one book uh, talking about one of the characters, Larry Fine, where he explores his boxing career. And uh, today we're going to talk about the the guy that I consider, and, and like I said, I grew up on these Three Stooges shorts. Uh, it seems like every morning before I went to school, I got a chance to watch at least a couple or three of them. Um, I call him the Forgotten Stooge because when you think of uh, the Three Stooges, everybody thinks of uh, Larry, Moe, and Curly. Well, my favorite of all time in that group was actually Shimp, who did not get nearly the airtime that the other three did. So we're going to talk about that today because that happens to be, uh, Shimp Howard actually happens to be the reason that Jeff and I are talking today. He is researching and putting together a book on Samuel Horowitz, which is better known professionally as Shemp Howard. So, Jeff, let's jump right into it. Um, tell me a little bit. First of all, what is the inspiration behind this book? Well, there's it's sort of uh, three major reasons. Uh, one, as you said, Shemp is considered, in fact, has often been called the Forgotten Stooge, I think totally unfairly. Uh, Secondly, the, the sort of so I wanted to, to address that issue. I also wanted to address the issue that um, whether or not he is the original Stooge, many people consider him to be the original Stooge, along with his younger brother Mo. And so, thirdly, I, I kind of wanted to direct this book. I'm I'm hoping that Stooge fans will enjoy it. Obviously, you know those who like Shemp and those who like the Stooges in general. But really, what I'm hoping to do is, by talking to people like you on podcasts, is that I want to direct this to people who are not necessarily Stooge fans. That They might be just a little bit surprised about one of the Stooges, the original, I think, is actually got, had a career just beyond the Three Stooges. I mean, he was the original he enjoyed this career of his on his own, and then he came back because of the serious illness of his younger brother, much younger brother, Curly. So I think that merits the book, and there has never, ever been a book written focusing on Shemp. 
So hopefully this is going to be the first, unless someone gets something out tomorrow morning, but I don't suspect that's going to happen. So that's what's behind all of this. Now, did you actually grow up on the, the shorts that we, the, the film shorts that we here in America, it, it seemed like every morning uh, before school, there was at least uh, an hour, hour and a half, maybe even two hours blocked out that where they would play these little shorts. Um, I can remember, it seems like every morning before school, catching at least a couple of them. Is that is that where you originally were introduced to them? Yes, and it's sort of strange in a sense because uh, without giving my age up, which is, uh, oh, hell, I'll, I'll give it up. I'm 70. When I was uh, five, my mother and I uh, hopped on a boat and we moved from England to Canada where my father was already waiting for us. <clears throat> that was back in 1955, five years old. And um, <clears throat> three years later, the Stooge shorts were syndicated and they were out there. And everyone was, you know, watching them, like you said, two, three times a day, sometimes more, whatever you could get. So it was the same in Canada. The only problem I had, and possibly a lot of kids had at that time, was my parents, who didn't know much about the Stooges, other than hearsay, they thought, oh, God, no, none of that stuff. Too violent, too much uh, slapping, poking, and hitting. I don't want my son watching that stuff. Well, anyway, of course, uh, kids have a way of getting around that, and I've watched plenty of it. And I now think, here we are in 2021, what would my parents think of all the violence now on movies and TV shows? I mean, boy, the Stooges, it's just like comic book stuff. It's really harmless, I think. So that's where I'm at. And so you and I then share some similarities and how we got introduced to the Three Stooges. Well, back when I was growing up, a much younger kid, um, they'd tell us, especially like me and my brother or our friends of mine, to quit stooging around. So see, they that it their actions on screen actually influenced a lot of the shenanigans that we got into. That's, that's true. I mean, it becomes part of the vocabulary. I mean, you know, the Stooge is basically, <clears throat> initially, it was someone, uh, a comic foil for the, the sort of the lead character on the, uh, of an act. I mean, the Stooges, and it was at that point, initially, it was uh, Shemp and uh, Moe. They were backups to uh, a very well-known comedian back then by the name of Ted Healy. And, and Ted Healy, for all intents and purposes, was the, the originator. He created the Three Stooges. Uh, whether he intended to do that or not, that's, that's hard to say. But um, <clears throat> a couple of years after, Shemp and Momo were at it uh, on stage an awful lot with um, Ted. Along comes uh, Larry Fine, whom they picked out. Uh, it was uh, Ashley Shemp and Ted uh, saw him performing. He was a, a, an MC at the time doing his shtick. He, you know, he had a little Russian bit. He, he'd be doing a Russian dance while he was playing the fiddle. And uh, so bottom line is that was it. He was a stooge. He was going to be a stooge. So although they weren't known as the stooges until much later in the, uh, the early 30s, not professionally known as the stooges, they went under the names of things like Ted Healy and his Southern Gentleman and um, other names of that sort. Uh, you know, he, he, it was about Ted Healy. They weren't. The, they were the Stooges with a small S, but they were yet to be the Three Stooges. So 
that's a little bit of a snapshot. You know, Ted Healy, they learned an incredible amount from this guy. And think about it, too. The Stringers are all really short fellas. Uh, you know, my height, I mean, I'm only about 5'8 and 5'9". I'm a giant compared to these guys. I mean, Moe and Curly, or at least Moe and Larry, they were about 5'3", 5'4". Uh, I believe Curly was about 5'5". Five, five. And Shampash, they, depending on which bio you read, um, he was either 5'6 or 5'7". So he was the big stooge of the bunch. But um, they had a fascinating, fascinating uh, uh, career growing up, you know, being on Broadway in uh, productions with Ted Healy. You know, they really, really learned their trade before they became Three Stooges. So fascinating stuff. But Shemp, even more fascinating in my opinion. So you, it's fair to say you've put a, uh, a, a very intensive amount of research into this book preparation. About how long do you have invested in it right now? Well, I started just after the Larry Fine book um, came out. Well, first in print, then, of course, later, um, only on uh, as an e-book. I'd say I, I was around 2014, so we're talking, well, we're talking almost six complete years at this point. And initially, it was just going to be a biography. And I thought, no, that's not going to do it. I, I think I want to. I want to broach this in two, two ways. It's going to be a biography, and it's also going to be an appreciation. And not just an appreciation from the perspective of performers of his day liking and loving his work and admiring it, which they did. Bud Abbott, Bud Abbott by the way, of Abbott Costello was one of his uh, fans. Thought he was a great comedian. Could have been even better if he had the right act with him. But I also wanted to find out, well, what about today? What about the performers today? What about the comments? I mean, uh, a fellow Canadian, uh, whom I have not been able to get hold of, Jim Carrey, I mean, in my humble opinion, if there were no Three Stooges, I don't think Jim Carrey's act would have been the same. And certainly not in the early days. So <clears throat> that's what I've been doing now. A lot of it, a lot of intense research, re writing, uh, reading books. Uh, I have well, virtually, not all, but a lot of the films that he made. And uh, I've been interviewing, uh, I interviewed the family members. I went to Los Angeles on a, on a burning hot summer's day uh, for a few days and talked with his granddaughter, Jill. Uh, later talked uh, with his, uh, his uh, daughter-in-law, uh, um, who is still, still there and very much kicking around and loving the Stooges, Jerry. And also later, the younger granddaughter Sandy so <clears throat> it's been some pretty intense stuff and talking to, to some um, to some celebrities today the one thing they point out and I guess this is uh, an important aspect of the book people who don't know the Stooges will just say okay Shemp you know one of the original Stooges Shemp appeared in 105 films without the Stooges so that is something I think would surprise some people not Stoogeaholics, but I think it would surprise people who don't know anything about Shemp or the Stooges. 105 films, and many of them were feature films with big-name stars from the day. So there, that's a jumping-off point for it. I hope it would be an interesting book. So all these amazing facts that you've been able to compile, what, like, what type of background do you have? Because, I mean, you, you seem to be, from what I'm reading... Uh, from your bio information and from what you're telling me at this point, 
you're a pretty solid researcher. So what, what, what's your background like? Where does that come from? Well, basically, um, like everyone else, when I got out of university, uh, uh, I'm not one of these people who got a PhD that ended up winding, uh, winding up dark driving a taxi. I was a, I was a groundskeeper at a, a private school. Um, that means private school, you know. I had long hair and a mustache, and all the kids who were in this school had uniforms. So this was kind of hilarious, seeing a character looking like me driving up and down. But strangely enough, I ended up... Uh, Doing, uh, I, I taught grade 13 English for a while, so I was a teacher at the school. That required a little bit of a haircut and a little bit of a shave, but what the heck, you, you do anything to make a decent buck. But I started doing um, film reviews for uh, a daily newspaper in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, the Hamilton Spectator. And uh, I did that for a, a few years, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And then, uh, out of the blue, I thought, I, I, I think I'll be a journalist like full-time, and so I applied for a job, uh, moved down to the 10th province in Canada, which is uh, Newfoundland, and uh, I moved, you know, uh, more than 1,500 miles away, I suppose, and I started my career as a journalist and also a broadcast journalist on uh, the Canadian Broadcast um, Corporation that was on radio. So I've been doing it ever since. I've been writing since I was about to, I say, early days. I was freelance since about 26. So that's uh, that's about 44, 45 years. So I've been writing ever since then. And so I got, I hope I've got the skills to research. But I got to tell you, much as this has been a lot of fun, this has probably been the most work I've ever done because there's so much misinformation out there. Uh, not just chit chat between people and fans, but an awful lot on uh, online sites. You know, the internet is a great thing, but it is also a great source of misinformation. So I had to go through very carefully with some stooge experts and people who've done a lot of this, you know, all their lives to make sure is this really true. You know, there's all kinds of stories about Ted Healy being physically abusive to the Stooges and a real monster. Ted Healy had his own issues. He had some problems. There were some money issues, but he was no monster. I mean, he was, as Mo and uh, well, Shemp basically said, he's the funniest person I've ever met in my life. And he worked with him. And so this is part of the job. It's been really, really, this is why I didn't come out with it really quickly. Uh, because I just didn't want to get out there and start spreading a lot of false information. And people would say, I didn't know that. And then it turns out, well, it's not true. That's why you, you're hearing it on online sites by, you know, Joe Blow from Joe's Bar and Grill, who really is not a Stooge fan. So you have to sort of be careful about what's what. So looking at all these films, I mean, I've been buying them. And I'll tell you, they're fun. And if you're interested... I guess you can ask me, you know, what what kind of people did he appear with in these films? I think you might be surprised. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, he's he seems to be the most accomplished of all. Um, and and you, you brought up a point just a second ago about Ted Healy, uh, this, these myths, truths that were told about him being, um, you know, rude, obnoxious, you know, abusive, that type of deal to those guys. But... Uh, Ted Healy. Now he he had like a uh, a 
pretty solid friendship, like a boyhood friendship with one of the gay. It was, I think it was Mo, wasn't it, that he and Mo were pretty that's, tight as young boys? That, that's absolutely correct. Uh, you know, and, and Ted was uh, a game. Um, he was a tall man. <clears throat> he liked to drink. A lot of people that back then did. And he had his moments. And there were, there were difficulties with, um, with finances and such. But I tell you, they could not have wound up with a better teacher. Uh, a friend of mine uh, down in Los Angeles there, <clears throat> Bill Casera, who's a really good, uh, really good writer, he's written a book about, uh, about Ted Healy, and it's fascinating. You get a lot of the truths out of there, and, uh, and, and you know, Bill got to the to truth of the matter. And this is why I wanted to sort of say, <clears throat> well, now I want to get to... Um, the truth of the matter was, Champ, I wanted to tell people what he was about, what he could have done, and how sad it is to think that despite being in 105 different films, he really sort of flew under the radar. You know, everyone remembers Curly, Larry, and Moe, and I understand that because I think Curly and Larry and Moe was a great trio, but don't forget Champ, and don't forget about the people Champ worked with in his career as a solo actor during the 30s and the 40s. It's quite remarkable. Well, look, without giving... I don't want to give away any of the book because, like I said, we, we, yeah. we want everybody to buy it and read it, but can you share a couple of, of stories or, or just some quick snippets sure. from inside the book? For example, all these projects he worked on, can you can you do a little shameless name-dropping here of a few that, uh, you know, some of the more well-known? Absolutely. I'll give you some some beauts here. Um, you know James Stewart, Oscar-winning James Stewart, James right. Stewart, his very first film that he ever appeared in was a Shemp Howard short uh, called Art Trouble. Uh, he was unbilled originally. He got 50 bucks for it. By the way, 50 bucks back then was a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Uh, but, yeah, and but Jimmy Stewart, his first role up along there with Shemp Howard. And uh, they, were, they were friends, by the way, later. Uh, he used to show up at uh, uh, Shemp and uh, his wife Gertrude's house for these weekend parties that he had every week. Uh, not all the time, but he was there. Uh, and another person back in, uh, let me see, what year was it, 1940 or 41? I can't remember off the top of my head. He appeared in, in a, a drama, it's sort of an action adventure, um, with John Wayne. John Wayne, Randolph Scott, Marlena Dietrich. It was called Pittsburgh, and Shemp was right up there. He was billed as, before the film came out, the publicity was billing him as the ugliest man in Hollywood. And that was basically, <laughs> it was the, a publicity stunt devised by his PR people, his manager, whatever. And, uh, you know, Shemp being very, very good-natured, able to take a poke at himself without worrying about it. Loved it. It was great. Great publicity. So there he was, the ugliest man in Hollywood, which of course isn't true, appearing on stage with John Wayne and Randolph Scott, two guys about what, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, yeah, Shemp, two big dudes, Bison, yeah. Big, big dudes. Yeah, he would have looked like their kid on stage. <laughs> but this, now this is, this is the interesting part about it. You'd think that that was the case. You know, a fairly short character, but he knew how to sort of um, 
utilize the space, whether it was on stage, whether it was on the screen. So he didn't look like, uh, let's put it this way, he didn't look like a hobbit or a muppet up against Wayne. I mean, he filled the stage. He filled that screen space that he was given, and it fit. You know, obviously he was shorter than John Wayne. Well, everyone is. I mean, I'm shorter than John Wayne by almost a foot, maybe. No, not quite that much. But anyway, he fit really well. Another one, he was, uh, he played the bartender in a film that Roger Ebert says was W.C. Fields' best film, The Bank Dick. Shemp was the bartender. And I know, that, you know, lots of talk about lots of editing done and, you know, a lot of his funny stuff was cut out, whatever. You know, lots of films are, are edited. I mean, it's part of the, the nature of the, the business, but he's good in it. And another, I'll give you another couple of famous names before I, I before I stop that, Abbott Costello appeared in a handful, you know, several, five or six uh, films uh, with them, and he was great. Bud Abbott was on record. He, he said in a magazine article, he said, Champ Howard is one of the really funny, he's one of the great comedians around. His problem is that he's, he doesn't set him up soft right. He needs a straight man. This, this is not an exact quote. He said he needs a straight man. He needs someone to bounce the jokes off him. Essentially, what he was referring to was, of course, Abbott and Costello. You know, uh, Abbott was the straight man. Costello was the funny guy. And he, you know, other than that, if he, he felt that if Shemp had done that, if it, the business had been to find him better um, supporting or a partner, that he would have been much more successful. And it goes on and on, you know. I, I mean, Shemp appeared in a bunch of films. He appeared in one of the Thin Man films, another Thin Man. He appeared in a Charlie Chan film. Um, he, he, By the way, and this is one, this is not famous names. In 1935, he appeared in a film by the Falcon Productions. It was called Convention Girl. And if you can believe it, Shemp Howard was a fairly nattily dressed cigarette-smoking gangster. He was a nasty, nasty piece of work, an SDSOB, who tries to kill his partner in crime by shooting him. This is Shemp Howard. No jokes, no funniness, convention girl. If anyone out there wants to see that given a good director, a better director, maybe a better script, Shemp could have done some pretty decent dramatic roles if he wanted. He had what it took. I mean, there was a lot of comedic dra uh, drama, dramatic actors back then, you know, sort of a mixture, the Bowery Boys, people like that, you know, there was humor there, but, but Shemp could play it straight completely, so he's got some fascinating, fascinating stuff, and the Charlie Chan film, for anyone who wants to see it, it's called Murder Over New York in 1940, and he's got a small role, uh, but without giving too much away, he's in a lineup of potential uh, criminals. And it's funny. It's unbelievably funny. I mean, I, I love seeing Shemp. I, I don't know, people may be the same way. Whenever ever I'm feeling a little down of the down of the dumps, Stooges work for me. And Shemp, you know, I I love Shemp. I love him from the start. I, I wasn't one of these people initially who said, Oh, I don't want that guy. He, he looks kinda a little bit too much like Mo. My first reaction as a little kid was, he looks different. I, there's something about him that kind of interests me. And that's what happened. I just got interested over time and time. And then when I found about all these other movies, 105 movies, phenomenal. I mean, just 
you know, I could go on and on and on, but I'm not going to do that, fortunately for you and everyone else. Well, I noticed, uh, you know, Chimp's character that he portrayed on the, the Stooges shorts, he was a vastly different character than any of the rest of them. You know, you had Mo, who was yeah. kind of the established bully. Uh, you know, Larry was just kind of there. He was he was a punching bag or, 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 or slap, you know, he was there for slapstick or the physical part, the comedy part. And then... Um, I don't even know how to explain Curly. Curly it was like, um, Curly was the original ADHD kid. Like, he was yep. just amped up all the time. Uh, I, I hear the term man-child. He was a man-child is what he was. And yep. uh, and then there was Shimp, and he just was different than the rest of them. Kind of really laid back. Uh, sometimes they portrayed him more of kind of a dimwit. I didn't understand that, but, you know, I, I guess that was the part that he was being asked to play. Um, he took time off though. He started with them and then he came back at the end of you know his his life, you know, the latter part of his life. That that spot in the middle. Did what was the reason? Like, why did he walk away? Did he walk away to pursue other interests? Uh, did he want to take a different you know direction? You know, from an acting standpoint, or was he just burnt out? Or what, what was the what was that reason for that gap? Uh, well. You know, uh, Ted Healy and um, the three of them, not the Stooges at that point, they were either, I can't remember which, either Ted Healy and the Racketeers or Ted Healy and the Southern Gentlemen, whatever, <clears throat> they were billed as Jem Howard, uh, Moe Howard, and Larry Fine. They were firefighters in this film. The movie was not, <clears throat> excuse me, not about them. <clears throat> it was a vehicle for the star, Ted Healy. Um, it was it was a, a historical Historically, it's a really interesting film, actually. And what's really interesting also about it is that more attention in some respects was being paid after the film came out to the Stooges, um, which, of course, uh, you know, that wouldn't, uh, uh, that wouldn't be too pleasing to the star Healy. But anyway, that, that's as it is. So it wasn't long after that, you know, they, they were together for a while, that Shem just basically, and I understand from family members that his wife, who was, um, <clears throat> for the time, you know, she, she, she could speak up, she could speak up and, and speak her mind. She, she basically, like possibly other people too, felt, you know something, you could do just as well on your own. Um, there were money issues that came up, you know, and that sort of played into it. But I, I think that might have been, uh, from the perspective that I saw in my research, uh, you know, some fiscal matters, but the fact of oh, let's let's go out, let's let's just do it. Uh, let's do it on my own, and that's what he did. He, he ended up making films for uh, with Vitaphone, uh, Columbia Pictures, uh, United Artists, uh, um, you know, MGM. Uh, it just a lot of films, and uh, so uh, you know, a lot of freelancing. Essentially, uh, most of the work I would say was probably for. Uh, uh, Vitaphone and uh, Columbia, but you know it, it was a mixture of, of, of a lot of different things out there. I mean, you know, who could who could imagine one of the Stooges? You know, one one of uh, the, the Horowitz brothers. Uh, you know, good old Jewish family that raised by a traditional Jewish uh, mother and father. Uh, who could imagine that later in his career he'd be playing an aging Arabic sort of Arabic hero, Sinbad? 
an aging Sinbad in a film called Arabian Nights. You know, great cast. It had Sabu in it. I mean, you know, he was one of the uh, the big stars of the day. And the film actually was nominated for uh, uh, four Academy Awards. So, you know, but who would have ever thought that? Um, and he was quite successful. So basically what ended up happening, of course, is uh, Curly, who was uh, quite the partier and, uh, and, you know, lived life to its fullest. Uh, he got ill, had some small strokes uh, initially, and had a major stroke during the filming of Halfwit's Holiday and uh, could not finish the rest of the filming, uh, which, you know, they did. They called together. It came out. That was fine. Uh, and so the search was on for, you know, someone to replace uh, Curly. And the bottom line is, without going into too many details, Shemp finally was the one who was selected. You know, Mo was fine with that. He was family. But the, the understanding was, in terms of Shemp's uh, perspective, was, I'll do this until Curly gets better. Well, that never happened. I mean, you know, you know from 1947, on to 1955, Shemp was the stooge. Curly had died in 1952 of uh, his, his of complications because of uh, the strokes he had, he had suffered. He was only 48. And sadly, of course, Shemp, uh, you know, nowadays we think it's a young age. I do because I'm past it. He was only 60 when he died and uh, died on the way back from the fights. He was a huge boxing fan, went to light up a cigar. He was either in the middle or just about to tell a joke when he collapsed into the lap of one of his friends. And they thought at first it was, you know, part of the joke, but he died of a cerebral hemorrhage. And um, mm. that was the end. That was the end of Shemp. And uh, the, the four films afterwards, as you probably heard of the expression, it was, it was coined by the director, uh, Sam Rainey. He basically uh, he talked about the fake Shemp. Uh, they had to sort of cobble together the, the last four or five uh, shorts they had by contract. And uh, there was a lot of uh, stock film with Shemp in and uh, some thrown together stuff. And Joe Palmer, who was a Columbia film um, sort of um, company uh, actor who actually had appeared in some, um, some work uh, with Shemp, uh, he appeared, and you saw him mainly from the back and a little bit to the side, but never exactly face on. So these these last shorts came out. They are not the best, I can tell you. But that hence the the, the, the term, thanks to Saint, uh, Sam Rainey, the, uh, the, the fake champ. So lots of interesting, interesting stuff about the, the life and times of uh, Champ Howard. And I hope I can touch on it as many as I can. That's uh, absolutely amazing story. I, I, I really, um, my real only interaction with this character was the shorts that I talked about. Had no earthly idea that he had had this essentially this other life. Um, super excited to hear that you're working on the book. Um, do you have? Do we have? I mean, I know a lot of things are playing into this. You said research continues to go because you keep getting more and more uh, interaction from from current uh, comedic influences, and I know COVID played a big thing and a big uh, a part of uh, slowing down some of the process. 
you yourself, because uh, we're actually on a reschedule now as we talk now, you had some health issues yourself you were dealing with. So uh, do we have uh, do we have at least a tentative date that we might be seeing this book uh, somewhere on Amazon? Well, see, well, actually, it's going to be, I have a publisher, uh, Bear Manor Media, which does a lot of, uh, well, largely entertainment books. Uh-huh. And a lot of, of, of people who, um, they're, they're well known, but uh, these sort of, a lot of the mainstream publishers haven't touched upon them. And, and Bear Man and Media has put out some great stuff. I mean, you know, the, the book, like I, I mentioned, uh, uh, that my friend uh, Dr. Sarah wrote on Ted Healy. He's done other books that are great. Um, that's that's who's in charge of it. There, there's a number of issues. Like you said, COVID is, a, is an issue because it means I can't do anything in person in terms of interviews. Um, the, the research sort of comes on and off my own health, which is strange. I, I am known in these parts as the kidney stone kid, which means uh, whenever <laughs> it, decides, uh, it decides to pop up and wreck my uh, life for a while, I get them. I've had them since 1976. You can make a Sham Howard short on that, I'm sure. <laughs> so all these things combined have, I mean, I would love if it was to be out in, in print, which is the way it will be out from... Uh, Bear Manor Media. I'd love it to be towards the end of the year, around Christmas, but I can't promise that. Um, if not, maybe early the next year. Uh, one thing is for sure, the, the accuracy is going to be paramount. Absolutely, because I do not want, I, I don't mind mentioning a couple of rumors, but I would rather, what, what I'm going to do, in fact, is if that happens, I will make sure people understand these were rumors. This is not necessarily, and most likely is not the way it happened. It's just, unfortunately, what comes out. I, I, I just think there's enough about Shemp that's fascinating that I don't need to make things up or I don't need to rely on, on hearsay or third-party information. And uh, like I said, uh, the, the, the Internet is, the, is one of the greatest sources of information and also one of the greatest sources of misinformation. So, can't predict when, but I'll be doing my damnedest. And if we see another kidney stone that looks like Keith Richards, I will really do my damnedest not to have another one. All right, well, we're going to be on the lookout for it. What is the actual title of the book? We, we haven't yet thought about that, but it is going to include the words original stooge. Okay. Uh, and, and oddly enough, the picture which I've selected, which is... I think it's good. Shem is looking quite dapper. He's not pulling a face like um, you you might see in a horror flick. He's he's looking quite you know I mean and he could actually when he wanted he, he could look quite normal. He just had a magnificent talent as well as being a great ad libber and a sometimes dramatic actor. He also had the most incredible talent of contorting his face. It was just incredible. I mean. The other ones, as funny as they are, and they are funny, Larry, Moe, and Curly never pulled faces like Shem. I mean, good grief. And I don't know how he did it without hurting himself, but uh, it's fascinating. I love it. You know, lots and lots of work, lots and lots of hours in the middle of the night, my wife saying, where are you? What are you doing? And I just yell out, Shem, and that's all she knows. 
Well, we're going to be on the lookout, myself and my listeners will be on the lookout for it. Shemp Howard, the original Stooge, uh, super excited. I, I'm definitely going to pick up a copy of it because I'm a huge uh, Three Stooges fan, or excuse me, Four Stooges fan. Don't want to leave anybody out. So, yeah. uh, like I said, man, that's, uh, what's the, is there an easy way for us to track the progress? Um, Do you have website or can they follow yeah, you on some kind of social media well i i sort of uh get on facebook a fair bit and every now and then i i keep telling people i'm going to get a business page and just call it uh, the champ howard book or something like that right i haven't done that so what i do and on odd occasions every couple of weeks i i flash something out i do a post with a picture of, of champ and say you know this is where we're at right now this is, you know, I tell them, okay, we're dealing right now with the Universal Films. And the other day I was working on the W.C. Fields film, The Bank Dick, because that's one of my favorites. Um, and, you know, and Roger Ebert, yeah, I know people don't like film critics, but I liked him. And he said that that was, he thought it was uh, W.C.'s best film. And, you know, something, uh, I kind of agree with it. I, I'm a big fan of W.C. Fields, and uh, Shem's good in it got a nice part he's he's the manager and he, he's the bartender of um the uh of the cafe that uh, that is frequented by uh, wc and it's uh, it's good stuff it's really good stuff and for yourself if you're really interested in having a peep at one of his best films that he did on his own or at least as a solo uh, feature actor just go to youtube and check out a film called private buckaroo it's sort of, it was made as a bit of a promotional film to sort of support the efforts of the United States uh, in the Second World War. He's partnered up with uh, Mary Wicks, who's uh, a little bit taller than Shemp, which is funny. And I'll tell you something, Shemp is great. That's one of his best roles. He's got a good part. He, he's funny. And if you can imagine, at the, one of the, towards the end of the film, he's actually on stage with the singing Andrew sisters, who were huge back then, as doing part of the song, Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree. It's great. If you want to have some fun, check out that flick, and I think you'll have a really good time. Well, that sounds great, man. Look, for all my listeners, if, you, if you're interested in trying to find any of uh, Jeff's work, uh, like he said, the easiest way to find him is on Facebook. Now, he's from Canada, and I'm sorry, they misspelled his first name. He spells it oh. G-E-O-F-F, not G-E-F, uh, not J-E-F-F. Last name Dale, D-A-L-E. And that's that's because I was born in Britain, and it's the home of Jeff See, see, so to my listeners, we're sorry he can't spell. But that's okay, though. He's still a good dude, though. Still a good dude. Jeff, I will be uh, I'll be keeping track of you. Hey, I'll be keeping track of you. Try to find out, uh, keep my my listeners updated on your progress. And as soon as it comes out, man, I know you got one book sold because I'm going to buy a copy up for sure. So that's good. If you can convince a few more million, hey, that's the thing, man. Two or three hundred thousand a week would be plenty, huh? Okay. All right, Jeff. If we get a chance to talk. Later when the book's coming out, I'd love to do it again. Sounds good. We will definitely have to catch up, especially right after the book comes out. I'd, I'd love to have you back on just to uh, oh. kind of finish the process. So Great, great fun. So you you take it easy, be safe, and uh, I'll get back to Shemp. 
You do the same, brother. And as always, guys, Wally out. Hey guys, this is William with World of Wally. If you guys played the third tree in your third grade play, or if you played Hamlet in your college production, if you think you're a rising star in the industry, or you want to be the rising star in an industry, or you're a podcaster looking for a rising star in the industry, check out Steve Joyner, guys, SJ Network. You can reach him at stevesjnetwork at gmail.com. He will put you together with the people that you need to be successful. So remember, guys, stevesjnetwork at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. This podcast is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner.